everybody. This is Monica. Uh, welcome back. Um, we're the Guardian Scholars Program, and we're here this week with a super special guest and my regular co-host. Today is June 15th. It's Monday. Um, we're heading into summertime, have a lot of our programming in place as Guardian Scholars. Uh, yesterday, we had a social hour with our Guardian alumni. Um, from six to seven, that's also always on our social media. So if any of you want to jump in and ever join us, you're welcome on Sunday evenings, every other Sunday. But I thought I'd start it off with that because our week really started yesterday. So um, anyway, I'm here with my co-hosts. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and we'll talk a little bit about who oh. our guest is today. So co-hosts. Hey, I'm Jojo. Um just for those who I have not introduced myself to or for my first time listeners, I am a part of the Garden Scholar um, program staff. I am a student assistant. I am also a senior at CSUB and I am a new mom to a four month old today. Wow, already? Today. Oh yeah. my. And I haven't met her yet in person. No, soon, soon, soon as all this craziness is over, soon. She's going to know my voice, so that's good. <laughs> Definitely. And who else is her co-hosting with me? And hi, everybody. I'm Daisy, and I am a graduate student. Um, I just graduated with my bachelor's in liberal studies, and I am assisting from Monica in the GSP program, and I'm so excited to be here. And we are still working remotely, so... If you hear any weird stuff, that uh, might be crying, just know. <laughs> yeah, I had to prepare my son and say, hey, if my dog starts barking, put her in the garage, okay? Because <laughs> we're all home and it's, it's very real in real time and real environments right now. So anyway, oh, yeah. today we have a super special guest from campus um, with us and uh, her name is Emily Callahan. And I'm going to ask her to introduce herself. Emily, we're excited to have you here. We're grateful that you joined us. And we have all kinds of questions for you. We want to know who you are and what you do and what life is about. And we have some fire questions ready for you. So tell us who you are, how long you've been at Cal State. Give us all the details. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I mentioned earlier, JoJo, when she reached out, I was so honored to join you guys and um and so thank you for asking me and um, i'm looking forward to having this time to answer some questions for you all i've been at csub for 11 years um, it'll be 12 years in november i came back i grew up in bakersfield i grew up on the east side of bakersfield um, i was not a college-bound student um, i was a, a young mom and was not great in my academics and so i um, went to bakersfield college after high school, I went to Highland, and so we used to call BC the um, high school on the hill. That was just an extension of high school. Um, I went to BC, and I developed a level of learning that I never had before. I took a psychology course and thought, oh, oh my gosh, it's, I actually like something in, in learning, in the learning realm. And so it gave me this newfound excitement to, um, to go to school. Yeah, this might be way too much information, but um, no, I ended up, no. I'm like, no, keep going, keep going. <laughs> uh, I worked um, at that same time. I worked for uh, juvenile hall school, so it was a second offender program. It was um, kids who had been um, expelled from their district and then had 
or they were in a rehabilitation program outside of juvenile hall, but it was for, it was intended to be for students who had gone, kids who had been locked up at least twice. Right. And I fell in love with these kids. These kids were people that I knew and they were treated, in my opinion, not um, fairly. And they weren't given the opportunities that I felt like they deserved just because they had been in trouble for something. And I, I used to say this all the time. They were the ones who got caught. You know, now that weed is legal and half of my kids yeah. were in, in juvenile hall for weed. And it was like, you know, gosh, it, they just got caught for doing a lot of things that other students were doing. And right. so I believed in them. But I also realized that in order for me to make a difference, I had to get my education. I was right. an administrative assistant at that time or administrative aide at the time in the class and didn't, couldn't really affect any change um, within the program. And so it really motivated me to go to school. I moved away. Um, I went to Cal State Channel Islands. It was an opportunity for me to grow and, and develop. And, and my, I, I talked to you guys about my daughter. She's not my biological daughter. She was my ex um, child. So she was born when we were in high school and I helped raise her for the first six years of her life. I moved away, stayed in contact, and went and got my education. Um, took me eight years to graduate with my undergrad. Um, and then I moved back. And then she lived with me um, during her high school and right after high school years. Um, and so I came back to get my master's um, at here at CSUB and did my master's in educational counseling. I've been in my current role for about five years as the director of campus programming, and I've had various roles here at CSUB. Mm -hmm. My favorite, and I know this is live, and so people are going to see this, or um, so I'll have to answer some questions possibly, but my favorite role is honestly in the classroom. I teach yeah. a freshman course, the CSUB 1029 course, and I love the opportunities to help students acclimate to a college environment because it's tough it's really different from high school and yes. so that's my one of my favorite roles and I, i'm privileged enough right now to be working with a group of um, other instructors to develop the curriculum for this um virtual instruction for in the fall so very different from my campus programming role but one that i really love yes i love that you talk about that because i've had the privilege of teaching in the english department i'm on 20 years now this is my 20th year and she doesn't even look 20, right? No, she looks so young. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, <laughs> but, uh, but thank you. But no, I, it's a completely different experience from program development and mentoring students and coaching them and helping them with professional development, personal development, as opposed to that in classroom experience. And I love that you love that duality of our roles as well. Um, cause it's really gratifying in two completely different ways. And you don't know, unless you're doing it, how different you can connect with students in all of those different ways. And I didn't realize that you started your career, um, with at-risk youth. I think yeah. that's amazing. And then that motivated you to go and continue your degrees and then your advanced degrees. And I think that's awesome. I had no idea. Thank you for sharing that. And you reminded me we're both east side girls yep <laughs> that's how connected i i was foothill you're from highland i remember i get I remember it now. walks on the bluffs we talked about yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah lots of things on the bluffs yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome thank you for sharing that Emily. and that's what we want like we wanted to get to know you and 
And I know Jojo um, was really interested in what campus programming is and maybe how we can eventually, I don't know, partner or just become Absolutely. aware of what we're doing. So that was part of our motivation. But also, too, we just started looking at this podcast as an opportunity to connect and get to know people, reconnect with people who maybe, you know, in the hustle and bustle of on-campus um, activities, maybe we've just lost that connection with because we've become so in. I think embedded in what we're doing in our office and in our own program. So for me, I looked at this as an opportunity, like let's reconnect, let's understand, you know, what you're doing and what your programming is about. And so we'll start there, like explain campus programming to us. How, how was that, you know, going before we began to work remotely and to telecommute? How's it going now? What's the transition like? Tell us all the business. Okay, so um, campus programming really was started, I'm sure you guys probably know Dr. Wallace. Mm -hmm. Dr. Wallace is the vice president for student affairs and he came to campus, I wanna say I might mess this up, it's either 2012 or 2013 um, as the vice president for student affairs. And one thing he noticed coming from Ole Miss, which is steeped in tradition, yes. um, it's 150 years old where CSUB is only 50 years old. And so he came to campus and really noticed there was a, I don't want to say lack, but that's really what it was, a lack of tradition, a lack of real campus um, involvement. Yeah. Um, and so I'm sure, Monica, also you probably have seen the shift in students going to class and going home. And really, there's been a culture shift, even in the 10 years I've been here, since Dr. Wallace has been here, and creating more opportunities for students to stay on campus. You know, yes. that was, I'm guilty of it as well. If I would had a class and I had a break in between class and I went home, it was real hard for me to come back. Very. Um, and so one of the reasons why we try to create so many opportunities for students to stay engaged and involved is so they'll stay on campus. Right. Um, and so he created what is now campus programming. It was not a department before. And so I've had the real honor to lead this department and build this department. I started with myself and two students mm -hmm. um, in 2014. And he just started throwing ideas at us. Okay, well, let's do a rowdy run or let's do a late night program called Runner Nights. Let's do um, a sensational sophomores leadership program. And so really my office, and I'm going to read you guys the mission just so it, it kind of sets a tone, is camp campus programming or the mission of campus programming is to create a connected community by collaborating on programs and promoting student development. We achieve this through diverse programs, collaborative efforts, and leadership opportunities that enhance the overall student experience. Right. So my, what I say is what we do is we provide educational, cultural, and social programs on campus. Mm -hmm. And we provide around 100 events per year. And so when you break that out, I know it seems crazy. When you break that out, it's about three events per week. I have a staff, I have one full-time staff member and a FOF, if you guys have ever met a FOF all delay, she started as a, my first student assistant hire um, and she's worked her, she graduated and she's worked her way up to a full-time staff member. Um, and we have 10 student assistants now. And so one of the events we were doing, we were planning is the concert. Runner Nights is about five years old and fall we do the carnival. 
And we've mm -hmm. seen as many as 2,500 students attend the carnival, yes. which is amazing. It's, it's really nationwide. It, it's a larger turnout than any other campuses receive. Yes. 10% um, of your student population attending the event is unheard of. And so we are very, but it's a collaborative event. I wouldn't just say it's campus programming. It's a student affairs event. We have um, housing that helps and SRC and student union and ASI and athletics. They all help us put that together. And then in spring, we have the concert. And this year, you might have heard we announced that T-Pain was coming. Um, we thought it would be a fun throwback. T-Pain's been doing a lot of stuff, um, the Mass Singer, and he has some, some um, TV shows. And he's just overall fun. And so we yeah, thought it would be, he's just fun. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it would, we thought it would be a fun kind of throwback. We were throwing around different names like Megan the Stallion and Doja Cat and all these different people. And, and T-Pain just continued to stand out partly because I think a lot of people know who he is. Right. And, and so that's one of the reasons we chose him. And so he was coming on April, Oh, sometime in April, I think April 12th. I can't even remember the date now. And so we, of course, had to postpone that and not knowing if that's going to happen or when it'll happen again has been one of our challenges. You, um, we don't know if concerts or when concerts will happen again. Right, right. So I've been talking to our, or the person who helps us um, connect with T-Pain and his team. And so we are looking into other ideas of maybe a Q&A with him or a gaming experience with him that we can do virtually. But not to boo-hoo me, but my whole world is connecting with students in person, whether it's a speaker or it's a food giveaway or it's a, um, a social activity. So it's, it's really rocked us. Um, we have tried to continue with some events, but like I said, doing three events per week, we have not been able to continue with that volume. Right. At the end of the semester, we still held some virtual expression nights. Expression nights are things that we do monthly where we have people come out. And again, I think one of the major parts of that is that social component. We're all together where people can do poetry or spoken word or dance or song. So we tried to continue that through our Instagram live mm -hmm. and it was okay. I, again, it wasn't the turnout that we would have usually saw. Right. Um, and we've also done a bingo with uh, a drag queen. It was called drag queen bingo and Alexis Michelle, who's part of uh, the Drew Paul's drag race. She, oh, was yeah. our, she was our bingo caller. Oh, wow. And it was fun. But again, we only had about 30 participants, right? And so it was really hard. And what I continue to hear from our students is they are tired of Zoom. They are over Zoom. They're Zoomed out. Yeah. And I have tried as hard as I can to think of other ways to virtually connect. And it's really, really difficult. So that's just my honest, uh, my honesty. I know fall we're going to be virtual. And uh, my team has been really working hard to identify some some events, some unique ways to connect. Like I said, the T-Pain Q&A or gaming with T-Pain. Um, and we are, we're throwing around a bunch of different ideas, but it has really been hard on us. Yeah, no doubt about it. We're feeling the transition too. I tell everybody we had to go virtual within a week because at the end of the semester, 
well, we have students who are continuing through summer. And then at the end of our spring semester for Guardian Scholars, we're bringing in fall students for next year already. So we have students who are aging out of the foster care system or who are being just straight up kicked out of their guardianship um, experience and who become homeless practically the day after they graduate high school. So we could not afford to take a break and we had to respond super, super quickly. And like you, I started with this program eight years ago as the intern developing the program because there was no Guardian Scholars program. You know, we just received the grant. So we moved very quickly from, you know, just me as an intern to me as full time, like a year and a half later. And then I got one student assistant and now I'm blessed to have five. I don't have any full time staff, but I have five student assistants who have worked super, super hard and have been as creative as possible to try to make sure that we have an engaging virtual experience with our students and it's still growing. You know, our, our numbers are finally starting to grow because now we're in summertime. But like you said, trying to find engaging ways to make sure that we are still accessing students, that they still feel like we're a resource for them was very important and we had to respond fast. So we understand, like I, I'm empathizing with your, like we're trying and you know, it's gonna be a struggle, but we're all just doing the best we can. And we're zoomed out too. We're fatigued by Zoom, but other than live Instagram or, you know, on their on our Insta stories or maybe live Facebook, directions Facebook, you know, we're just doing our best to catch up and um, figuring it out. So I feel you on that one completely, but it helps to hear that you're experiencing that as well and you're trying to figure it out. So, yeah. I'm like some, some way, somehow we got to get, GSP and your department together and we gonna figure it out together I would love because it. honestly like as like a student input like just it's true we're zoomed out yeah like like I said I have a four-month-old so I have already been in isolation pretty much my last month of my pregnancy so I was like eager to come back and get social and just be outside and be back to my normal self. As soon as I'm telling Monica, like, I'm coming back to work. She's like, no, I'm like, I'm coming back to work next week. I don't care. I'm coming back to work next week. And then next week came and it was no coming back to work. It was like completely. And I was just like, Monica, I just told you yesterday I'm coming back to work. And it was just, it was a hard transition for me personally and then also for my academic and social life so with that being said and you're a part of student programming and you already just mentioned that you know it's been hard for you to stay active and interacting with students but is is there anything that you're doing now like besides like the t-pain and Anything to keep the students active right now? Or are they just all gone? You know, so summer have never been a, uh, a heavy programming um, time for us. You know, summer, okay. we typically don't do a lot of programming. Summer is really the time for us to plan. Mm -hmm. The only real partnership that we've done in the summer is with uh, EOP, with Summer Bridge. We've done right. a few events with Summer Bridge where we um, have done like ice cream socials or trying to connect them with the understanding of what we do right. for the fall. But we don't do a lot of programming in the summer. 
the one thing that we really do focus on in summer is I mentioned briefly, I oversee a leadership program called Sensational Sophomores. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So that program, which is for the incoming class of sophomores, we do a full year of leadership development workshops and volunteering and, and programs with them. They're invited to participate based on their GPAs. Um, we work with the executive class to do retreats, which we're doing all virtual now. Mm. And um, we also partner with our orientation team to welcome freshmen. So we, there's about six orientations this summer. And so we will lead um, sessions during, they're doing Zoom also for orientation. Can you imagine right. freshman orientations via Zoom? But that's really the only option. And so we're trying to still connect our students with incoming students. I say this all the time. Students want to hear from students. And yes. so I can tell you, oh, get involved, do this, do this. But until a student really says it, it, it doesn't mean as much. So we're trying to connect our student leaders with our incoming students through the orientations. And so we'll be working on those sessions also this summer. But as far as programming, our plans are really looking at fall um, to have a really robust programming schedule for fall. Fall for us, we plan our Hispanic Heritage Month events. We do our Pride Week events. We have International Education Week events. We have our carnival. How can you do a carnival virtually? Right. Um, so we are really trying to say, we wanna continue with the majority of the events that we would typically do but we just have to reevaluate the, the delivery of them. Okay. I have one question before Monica. Monica's just itching to ask you something. Look at it. I know. I'm holding back. Like, no, it's my turn, Monica. I have you here. You mentioned the sensational sophomore. How do you become one? Or what is... Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Again, I've never heard of that. I'm going to get myself in trouble saying this. I always wondered, like, why was I asked to lead this leadership? I was a horrible student. But <laughs> um, it, it's, been, it's been really fun because it's been a development for myself as well to learn how to, how to lead leaders, yeah. how to help develop leadership skills. And while I'm developing leadership skills myself, Right. You don't, and I'm sure Monica will share with you, you don't become a, a person in this position and feel like I made it. I know everything. No. You know, I'm still learning myself. And so the program, it's it's intended to be, and again, this is another one of Dr. Wallace's brainchild and ideas, um, to connect students beyond their first year. We had a lot of first year programs that tried to keep students retained at the university. And so we, we said we need to do something the second year. And so the program is for if you receive a 3.0 GPA your freshman year, you're invited to participate in the program. And it went the first year that we did this seven years ago, our numbers out of 1200 freshmen, only 175 students met that criteria. Wow. So you My think about was done. I'm so what the, <laughs> Logan, I think was one of your first sensational sophomores. I think so yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it's crazy to think that, right? It's it, it, to think only 175 out of, out of 1200 students right. received right. that 3.0 GPA or above. I wouldn't have been in that, yeah. you know, I wouldn't have been in that category. So I understand. 
And that's, so anyways, they're invited, they're, they're um, summer going into their sophomore year. And if they participate, typically we only get about 25% of those who are invited to actually participate. And the participation is bi-weekly meetings. We have speakers. We do leadership development exercises. They always do a community service project during spring break, which is called alternative spring break. And they go out in the community. We built houses with habitat. We've um, renovated oh, wow. community centers. Yeah, it's, it's really a great program. And I finally have a dedicated, it was a graduate leader. Um, now um, he's part-time who is really helping with the program. The students, and we all know this, they need somebody consistent and um, yeah. available 24 hours. Um, and oh, yeah. so I just hadn't been really available with doing so many of the other things. And so it's been really nice having him support the program. Yes, because that's in and of itself a program. I mean, yes. that's a whole other, I think, level of programming. And for you to oversee all of that or be completely directly involved in all of that, it's, it can be overwhelming. And you're, I love how you said, and you're so right, students need somebody who's available, who's engaged, and who can be there for them consistently. And that's one thing that we can, we really look for in Guardian because for all of the levels of our programming, like yourself, it's difficult to oversee all of them and be 100% in every area. So just having that help and somebody who understands the needs of the students is the biggest blessing to me because I feel like we're just we're just better at what we do you know we do it more completely so yeah I agree that's awesome and that's a great program I love it I loved it when Logan was in it and I love I just love the nature of it it's so good never heard of the program before and I actually had over 3.0 my first semester but I'm not from um, Bakersfield I am from LA and when I graduated from high school, I went straight to Cal State Northridge. Okay. So they had like something similar, how you guys have the runner's night. They have like matador night, mm -hmm. which is like a big old carnival party type of thing. And like all the departments on the campus is, um, is a part of it as well. But I would have, I don't think Northridge had that program because I know I made like the honor roll and like the dean's list. Um, but we didn't have like a program um, to keep me connected. And honestly, I feel like my life probably would have been different um, if, if I would have had a program like that, because literally after my first year, um, my grandfather had passed away. Um, so I, I was commuting back and forth um, from Northridge to um, LA, LA to Northridge, back and forth every day. Um, I had classes four days a week so I would go back and forth but after he passed away I had no interaction with the school as much because I was so focused on my family but it seemed like that program would have you know kept me connected and built a, a different relationship towards school if that makes sense. Absolutely and that's why we do the things that we do is we know that clubs and organizations, we know that leadership programs, we know that the Guardian Scholars Program, there's tons of research that shows the more connected students feel to the campus, the more likely they are to be successful. Exactly. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter what your connection is. My connection as a student was employment. Right. I wasn't involved in leadership. I wasn't involved in um, 
events. I didn't go to anything, but I worked on campus and that was my connection. Right. Because the more con you think about high school, you know, all the teachers, you have a clique of friends. You exactly. Go, you do everything together. You eat together. You, you don't have that in college. And so you have to create that connection through something. And so right. that's why we offer so many different programs because we want students to find some connection. And even if that's uh, research with a faculty member, it has to be something outside of the classroom because your education's always gonna be there. The learning is always gonna take place. But if you don't feel connected to the university, like I said, it could be a connection with your faculty through research or, or employment, but it has to be outside of the classroom. Um, because learning takes place in 45 minutes or an hour, an hour and a half. You have more time outside of the classroom than you do inside the classroom in college. Yes. So that's why I'm, that's why it's so critical. A lot of times people will say, why do you put on these carnivals or why do you spend money bringing in a, a rapper to campus? You know, I've heard those comments when we brought Tyga. That was a, big controversy for a lot of people who felt like his music wasn't appropriate to bring um and 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 we can argue all day but people came and students they didn't have to go if they didn't want to but they came but just having that opportunity where a lot of our students say they've never been to a concert before yes okay and to have a concert in a safe environment with only your CSUB peers, with all the security put in place, without 20,000 people in the arena, it just provides opportunities for our students that they would not necessarily have somewhere else. Right. I think that's such an important point. And I want to just give you some compliments because some of our Guardian Scholars, like you said, have never been to a carnival. They've never been to um a leadership talk they've never been to a concert and campus programming's programs and activities are some of our guardian scholars favorite things to do on campus they won't go to anything else all year long but they're at runner nights they won't go to anything else all year long but they're at the concert and i'm so happy to see them engaging and sometimes those are the only activities on campus that they actually will attend and many of them have said, that's the first time I've ever done this. or I've never done that. And they like will take their pictures and selfies and I can just see it on their faces. Like they're having those life experiences and that cultural enrichment that maybe hadn't taken place up to that point. And then the beautiful thing is I'll see them start engaging in those things off campus. They seek them out themselves. They make plans to go to a concert. They make, make plans. I mean, I just see them experimenting a little bit more with their off-campus activities yeah. in a positive way it's because we had that first access on campus like you said is safe and yeah. planned and then they're more courageous and they go and do it themselves off campus and I don't know if maybe you were aware of that but that definitely happens with our guardian scholars and I love seeing that you know um, campus programming is kind of the catalyst for like a greater life experience off campus which is that's awesome yeah. I've, never heard, I've never heard it and that makes sense to me though. Yes. I've never heard it said that way, but that makes complete sense that we provide experiences that allow students to get that 
safe experience and then it opens their world to something else but that's what college is about even like studying abroad right you're in a controlled safe tourist you know place and then you get this you know this newfound love of traveling yeah you know, any of my students who have traveled abroad and i wanted to so bad when i was in college but i had a mom who was like no there's yes. no way you can go out of the country. I, what would I do without you? I mean, that was her kind of like, I'm like, mom, if you only knew some of the things that I've done, but she just was <laughs> like, no, no, no. So, but I, I just think I've had a couple students who have studied abroad who have never ever gone with their family, even on a plane. Right. And they were in this controlled, supportive, you know, place to go travel and study abroad and now the places that they go and so that that makes sense to me you know we provide opportunities for students who then can do that on their own outside of the the, the university setting yes yes and they're learning what positive activity and positive life experiences look like because yeah. many of our students didn't have that i think example growing up um of either access or even just having positivity, you know, in terms of what we do in our in our private time with our recreational time and experiences. And I love that we provide that on campus and then they move on and they do it off campus. That makes me so happy to see them like, I'm like, oh, well, look at them. They're here. They're at this concert. They're traveling. I'm like, I love that we're a tiny part of that foundation that's set and that I think courage that is put in place right and that and get curiosity yeah that's awesome yay one thing we do want to add too is um when i started i started to in 2011 and um i remember being an eop and going to the dodger stadium and with people that were not my family for the first time so that yeah. was exciting and then um later i had my son so i wasn't able to attend programming so much but um one thing that really did help me when when i was so busy with him was when professors would allow us to take a time off of class to go to these events that were like in the afternoon like at six so that was really special to me and i was able to attend the um the pride events and then also the mexican the Her latino heritage um events that you guys had so that was a good thing to me especially the ones where i could bring my son along with me in the afternoon and that helped me stay engaged and like in school like you said so yeah that's awesome. One of my first experiences at Channel Islands, I went to Channel Islands and I finally graduated from there, is like you mentioned, I would have never gone to an event on my own, but I needed the extra credit. And so I went to uh, an author um, who was on campus. It was Victor Villasenor, and he's come to our campus before also. Yes. And he was um, talking about his book, Buro Genius. And I went to hear him talk and he became my absolute favorite author. And I never read for fun before that. Yes. And so it's opportunities like that. That's like, oh, well this, I enjoyed it. It's not just, I'm not just a dork if I'm reading for fun. Um, I actually am gaining something from this or I'm interested in this. And so um, those are the opportunities like you mentioned. That's why it's so important to have such a diverse range of activities. We just started the series in the fall where we invite our international students to talk about the cult their culture. 
And so it's, if you guys have heard of a brown bag, we do brown bags um, once a month where we have a speaker talk about a different topic, but this was different. This was students sharing their culture. So we, in that short time, we did three countries, Pakistan, um, Vietnam, and Germany. And the students were able to come in and they did a presentation on their culture and you could see their pride in their culture. And they talked about food and dress and tourism in their, in their country. And for me, I, I have no like bucket list to go to Pakistan. Like there's no like, oh, I can't wait to go to Pakistan someday. I can't wait to go to Spain, but not necessarily yeah. Pakistan. And so, but hearing him talk about his country and the pride it's a learning experience. And so yeah. those are things that we also provide, not just the social, but the cultural, um, the cultural programs that we provide. Like you mentioned the Hispanic heritage or pride or international education week or black history month events. Those are really important for our campus to educate themselves about um, in a, another place where they might not travel to Pakistan, but they can hear it from somebody from Pakistan. So. Um, those are other examples of events that we do and some of them are like family friendly and you could bring your mom your dad yeah. i mean i know it defeats sometimes the purpose but like well with me with my son i could bring him and still be a part of the the social part of csuv so that was how old cool. is your son he's six and oh. he's right Hi, Hi. <laughs> well i will tell you i was uh seven i think years old my mom graduated from CSUB wow. and I'll never forget that I'll never forget she graduated the amphitheater I'll never forget her and watching I don't remember her being in a row but I remember being at CSUB watching my mom graduate and so I just think for your son like he'll be exposed to college at an age that most children never will be um and so I think that's really cool yes yeah it's it's nice to bring him along and for him to um, to see me do it like it's not an easy way but to get it done and for him to see that so it's, it's really special when I could bring him along too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I just wanted to like connect Emily is also all of those cultural events that you do they teach us and help us to have greater conversations and awareness and appreciation and curiosities and they teach us how to have dialogue yeah. about our differences and that's so important especially right now learning how to speak to one another learning what's important about our backgrounds our ethnicity our culture our gender all of those things and we're practicing in that dialogue and I think that that just speaks volumes to, you know, how we can be more sensitive, more accepting, more excited about each other's differences. And I absolutely love that you're doing that. And, you know, the learning is so multi-layered there. The experiences with that is so multi-layered. So thank you for, thank you for doing that. Thank you for thinking of that. That's amazing. Well, and we're all biased, you know, and I think even me, so my student, I'll just share this story. I hope people aren't offended by it, but it's just the reality. My yeah. student was going to Germany. That's, she's a mixed student. She's half Mexican, half black, and she was going to Germany to study abroad. And my naivety, I'm very naive when it comes to certain things, but all I thought was Germany where, uh, you know, the Holocaust was, and there's just, they only like white people with blonde hair and blue eyes. You can't go to Germany. 
you know, and being so naive about that. And when she went and explained how diverse Germany was and how accepting that where she was, and then having a student share his point of view, we have to be very, we have to challenge our biases. We have to say, why did I think that? Why would I put that generalization on everyone in Germany? Right. There were some bad people who did some bad things and who, you know, were, weren't great, but that's not, that shouldn't be my only view, but I didn't have any other view. And right. so those are, it's so important to have those conversations. I know re recently, I don't know if you guys participated in the community conversation with the campus. Mm -hmm. It's pretty evident. We need to have more conversations. And so that's another area I was, um, our middle buying agent, I utilize her a lot. So she's someone who's connected to the industry. She has a, a series where there's a, a black professor from another university who does this two-part series on asking students, what's the culture on your campus? And then having a real conversation about how do you fix those issues? Right. And so um, I can't do it. As a white woman, I can't have that conversation. But that's why it's so important to have people to have those conversations. And even though I have a mixed race child, that doesn't give me the experience that is necessary to ha hold those conversations. Right. And I think we'll, we're all learning to have those conversations in a really respectful and compassionate way and an informed way. Yeah. And we're all trying to hold space for those conversations now for whatever our background happens to be, for whatever our life experiences happen to be. And so we're growing and we're learning. And that's one of the reasons we started the podcast and we're, we're trying to do it as sensitively and as appropriately as possible, but also as openly and honestly as possible because people want to hear the real stuff, you know? And um, that's why we called it unguarded. And we still are a little guarded, but hopefully more transparent than we would be in other ways. So. Um, I, I love where this conversation is going today. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you, thank you. I think it's so cool that CSUB is so diverse. Like in all of my classes, I see students from different places of the world. And um, then when I see them in the programming that, you know, Emily does, and it could be something that it's just like his, like the Hispanic Heritage Month. And then I see students from all over the world, not only, you know, Hispanics, and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. That everybody comes together in these events and um, we try to understand each other. So I think- There was a really interested, interesting conversation about Hispanic Heritage Month this last month or this last year, as the word Hispanic is not encompassing of Mexico. Right, right. And so there was a lot of, I mean, Hispanic Heritage Month, that name has been going on for years. I mean, the celebration of Hispanic Heritage Month, but it was the first year that someone brought to our attention that does not encompass the, the cultural significance of Mexico. And so, again, we have to take that stance of we have to listen, we have to understand, we have to educate you know, as long as it's coming from a good place. And we got a group of people together to have a dialogue about it. What does it mean? How does it make you feel? What do you think? How should we do this differently? Uh, I'm not sure that we really came to a, an agreement. Um, I might have to look back, but there, it's important to have those conversations and be open. Right. Yep. 
And I love that you guys are a catalyst for that. And that's honestly all we can hope to be, but you're an effective one. The programming is effective. It's one of our, you know, the, the programming events are some of the most highly attended by our guardian scholars and I get the most feedback from those. So nice job, job well done. I have one question for you. And, and this was from our team. What do you think either previously or now from this point forward, do you think that maybe might be most useful for our foster youth or students who are currently experiencing homelessness? What are some of the things that they can tap into that you think might be most useful to them? You're saying resources? Yes, or you know, student programming activities or events. We're really looking for you know, just ways that we can encourage them to move in that direction. You know, I know that there, um, there are new resources that are popping up all the time. Um, mm -hmm especially for um, homeless or for food insecure. And so we have you know, some resources on campus. There's this new, and I'm, I'm sure Monica, you've heard of it also, the, the emergency fund that's been in place. And so people can actually donate through their paycheck, which my husband and I do, to provide monthly funds into that. So if our students experience a, um, an, an a homeless situation, that, that there's funds to be able to support our students in that way. Um, but I think as far as programming, my, the most important thing that I would say to students is ask, get connected, give some advice or recommend different things. If there's something that's not happening on campus and you feel like it should, or there should be conversation, come tell us, come talk to us. When homelessness was I think people ignored it. Monica would probably know more than most people that our students were experiencing homelessness. Mm -hmm. But people weren't talking about that. It was like, let's not, let, let's not say that we have students who are homeless and who are still coming to school every day and who are still s trying to get resources every day. And when we started hearing that it was really happening, we brought a speaker to campus. Um, I, now I can't remember her name. It's been three years or so. Jessica... I'll have to look back, but she was, she talks about her experience being homeless in college. And so just having resources and having people to talk to. One of the lessons that I teach my students in their freshman class is how to be an advocate for themselves, right? How to speak up and how to say, I need this, or I need help with this, or I'm struggling with this, or, and if someone, because there's bad people, there's bad professors, there's bad staff, there's bad people everywhere. If you run against a bad person, then move on to the next person. And that's, that's a hard part for our students to understand that they have a voice. Um, one of my students told me in fall, he said, do you know where I can get any food around here? And he was a freshman, he was in my class. And I said, well, yeah, there's the cafeteria and there's the Panda and there's um, Starbucks. And he said, no, like, is there a place where I can get food? Like, and I thought, well, we do have the pantry, although it's canned stuff, like nothing like he could just kind of grab and go get a granola bar, a fruit. He said, I've had free lunch for 12 years. Right. And I was like, I had never, how, how, like, I feel like I'm a really woke person, right? 
how have I never thought that? How have I never thought that our students most of the time got a free breakfast and a free lunch? Right. K through 12. And they come to college and they are hungry. They're not eating. Next time somebody asks you, send them to me because okay. in my office, I have a food pantry that we keep stocked and we have granola bars and crackers and you know, all sorts of different nuts and juice boxes and pop tarts. And I mean, just things that they can grab and go sure. to be hungry on campus. So and we typically do that. I always, I people, know you do. Yeah. Joke that like my office is like the, like, if you want to gain some weight, come to my office because right. I'll tell you, like, it is like for you, like granola bars and candy. And, and if I go to the store, watch out because I'm going to get like the sour packs, you know, the sour pack yes. packs, like, and so if, uh, there's always food in here, but that is, it's just, those are areas where if, if you're not connected and right. you don't know who to ask and you don't know what to do, um, there you're, you're kind of just floundering around. And so I would say to students ask, I would also say, if something like that was to come up to tell us we need to do better, right? Yes. Maybe there needs to be a sign or it needs to be part of the educational plan to say Monica's area has snacks, the food pantry has snacks, campus programming has snacks, you know, so people know I'm never going to turn away a student who says I'm hungry. Right. And this is the thing too. I love how you're mentioning the advocating for oneself. And I think some of the work that we've done and we need to continue to do it as a guardian scholars and maybe as a campus is to help students identify what is going on in their lives and put a word to it and not surround that by shame. Take the shame away of identifying this is what I'm struggling with. It doesn't mean this is who I am. It means in this moment, I am struggling with this thing. And we're trying to re I want to say revise how we phrase homelessness and we're trying to help students to understand what being homeless or experiencing homelessness is because a lot of our students don't even understand that in some moments they are homeless. Technically, if we assess the situation, they're experiencing homelessness because I think students think, oh, I, I'm couch surfing or I'm staying with this person or that person. Well, that's housing instability. Yeah. Or maybe, hey, I'm only eating a couple granola bars a day and hey, that's just student life. No, that's experiencing hunger. And if we take the shame away from those things that we are experiencing and know that they're temporal situations and not permanent, then we can help the student advocate for themselves when they know what to call what is going on. Sure. And when they're not ashamed to say, you know what, next week, I don't have a place to stay. My couch surfing days in this position are up for me. And I think that's re-educating staff and faculty. It's educating students. It's taking away the embarrassment of what's going on and for being a resource and being supportive and you know, not giggling when somebody says, oh, I'm kind of hungry today. Mm, it's not funny. Like, this is where you go. So you're not hungry going to class. And so you have the energy maybe to get in a workout and take care of yourself physically and mentally. So you do better in class and you feel better in your life. So I love that you're talking about that. And you do that in your class and through your programming, because that is one of the things this next year I really want to work on, obviously virtually, but uh, once we're back on campus as well, it's helping people to understand that these things are not shameful, they're temporary, and there's help, you know, and, and yeah. I'm sure you guys are, are worried about it. I mean, I'm worried in a sense of how 
to connect with students through this virtual world. And, and so I also would ask you guys to tell me if there's things that you guys need specifically or would like to a speaker or a food giveaway specific or, you know, something. I just, I, it does worry me. It worries me that there isn't a physical or in-person touch, not not physical touch, I mean, but like, I, just to see my students every day or twice a week or three times a week, I can look at my students' face and know if they're okay. Yes. And that worries me. I don't, I'm so thankful, Monica, that you have continued to hire these students through the summer. I don't have a work right now. And it makes me feel like I need to find something for them to do because although they might be getting some unemployment benefits, it's, that's going to run out at some point and they need to work and they need to stay connected. And, and so, yeah, it, they're, it, I'm nervous about it. Yeah. Yep. That was one of my, I, it was the major motivation in redeveloping programming quickly for our students because I need to see them. I need to see them to know what's going on because oftentimes they won't speak it because there's a lot of shame that surrounds what's going on in their lives. And when I can share physical space, meaning, you know, mentoring, counseling, yeah. whatever, I can assess that visually. But when I can't, I get worried. Yeah. Also, a major motivation to me was keeping my assistants working offering them the opportunity to have some income and purpose and connection with our program, with one another, with me. I needed that as well. You know, it was a major motivation to me. So we hustled really fast, and really hard to make this happen. And, um, you know, it, it's working and I'm super grateful, super grateful that we've been allowed this opportunity, but so um, happy that you guys have, that's a big thank motivation. You. Yeah. Thank you. Like, honestly, it- it's, it has been a huge transition for all of us. It's still a learning process. We're all still learning this virtual world. We're still learning how to connect with our, with our students and our scholars and trying to focus on keeping them connected with us, keeping them connected in school, um, socially, academic, like it has been a journey. Like my daughter. Yeah. yeah. Like the baby. Okay. What's your baby's name? Her name is Journey. I'm gonna bring her I'm gonna bring her in when we're done. Okay. I'll let you see her. I wanna share with you too your your feelings of like the isolation too. I I be before we get off. I'm like, yeah, definitely, but I will, even after this podcast, I will be in contact because you guys do a lot of different things on campus and with us moving virtually some way, somehow we can get your students and your student population and our student population to connect together and do something virtually just to keep everybody connected because I didn't know like I mentioned earlier, I didn't know about that that program. And with our incoming freshmen um, that's coming in, that's something for them to look forward to. And they can learn from and grow. And I feel like that'll be very influential in their lives academically and for them personally 
especially with the different cultural events um, that you guys host, because I think that that's really important, um, learning different cultures, cultures and staying connected and just being aware, being woke. I've never used that word. I feel pretty good about using it. I didn't either. You used it. You used it, so I wanted to use it. So I <laughs> I'm writing it down. Hold on. <laughs> I felt really good. My my 18 year old would be like, Oh my gosh. That was good. I'm jealous. I'm like my my younger sister. I'm I, I'm old to my younger sister. My sister is 18. 18 going on 19 and i'll be saying certain things and she'll be like you're old i'm like i'm 26. i want you to tell I'm not that i'm not that old <laughs> that's so good okay we're gonna transition because we want to have a little bit of fun emily not that this wasn't fun this is super informative and amazing dialogue but we just want to have some fun before we let you go okay um, we share something weekly and it's either a tip trick or pick of the week okay and something that we're kind of into can be anything at all and then we're going to end our little session with you with some fire questions okay so i'll go first with my tip okay we've been trying as a group we've been trying to get a little bit more into juicing and living healthy and being very like nutritious conscious um in the last few weeks and so our our um our wellness person erica she's been encouraging us to juice and so this week i don't have a juicer and it's not in my budget right now to go out and buy a beautiful cold press juicing system i wish it was it's not i'm trying to be you know so proud monica my budget i know jojo because i'm such a shopper i did not buy anything so i had a blender so this week i blended pineapple cucumber and celery in my blender and I went old school. I got a pitcher, I got a strainer, I poured it in, I pressed out all the juice and I oh, put wow. in, yeah, I put them in mason jars with lids on the top. I have four big ones in my fridge right now and I started juicing and I have to say, because I'm in the desert right now, I feel very hydrated. I noticed the difference in my skin, my energy levels. And I would not have believed it, but that's my tip of the week. If you don't have a juicer, don't feel like you can't juice because before juicers were around, people just used to old school it, man, like just mash out the juice, like collect it. And that's what I've been doing. And I was very proud of myself because I did it yesterday and I'm going to continue to do it all week. But that's my tip of the week. Good. Yeah. That's it. I have, I have a pick of the week. Um, so, a few maybe it was last podcast I don't know me and Monica in the group we have been talking about you know doing something that we haven't done lately so I went and I moved like a few months ago so I have like everything like packed up and stuff so I decided to bring out a book and I don't read for fun I used to but now I'll be so caught up in everything that's going on. I don't get to read for fun. And this is book. I'm pretty sure everybody heard it. It's one of the most popular books in this world. It's called The Coldest Winter Ever. Oh, yeah. I'm like, that book is amazing. They have a second uh, part to it. It's called Midnight. And it's about one of the main characters in the first book. But that's my pick of the week. If you haven't um, heard of that book, Definitely read it. It's a little crazy. It gets wild. Um, a lot of our scholars 
<laughs> they'll be able to some of them may be able to relate or even live through this this yeah. storyline um it's a really good book it's informative it's descriptive it paints pictures it gives you that real feeling as if you're in there so the book is called the coldest winter ever by sister soldier the spinoff or the second part is called midnight i haven't finished that whole book yet but this is probably my 100th time reading the coldest winter ever but i can get lost in it so if you guys haven't read it it's the coldest winter ever by sister soldier and the cover is like a pinkish purplish color for the most part and that's my pick of the week got it i love that you're reading jojo Awesome. I don't think I've read Midnight. I'm going to look it up right now. It might have been, I might, I know I've read The Coldest Winter though. So the guy Midnight is all about him. Okay. Got it. Awesome. Thanks, Jojo. Next, who'd like to go next? So my pick, I'm going to go back down memory lane. And um, so my pick of the week is all the professors who who knew about the events that Emily and her team were having uh, on campus and let us, you know, take some time off of class to go attend those because they knew that it was important to stay connected socially with um, CSUB. And so I was really grateful for that because if um, some of the professors wouldn't have allowed me to do that, then I don't think I would have been um, attending some of these cool events. Mm -hmm. So they're my pick of the week. <laughs> Nice. nice. Let's go. Let them go to fun stuff. It's educational. Yeah. Emily, I do one. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm. I had to think about this for a second as I was thinking about a tip. So I went through a real fog right when we went to virtual, and um, JoJo knows that on Friday I, or Thursday when we talked, I said, "Oh yeah, I'll do it live, and you can record me because I'm getting my hair done." And so, um, I, my roots on Friday were probably down to here and I got press on nails. My nail lady did custom nails and I got, got press on nails. I feel like a new person. And so my tip is shower, get ready, put on a little bit of makeup, like feel like good about yourself. It yes. helps you even if you're sitting at home. So I literally was in pajamas for about two months and my hair was always up and I never had makeup on. And I'm a makeup person. I wear makeup every day. I always have my nails done. And so I feel like I was in this fog, little bit of depression. And so my tip is to get ready, feel what, well, whatever that ready is for you, at least a couple times a week, even though you might not be going anywhere, walk around the block and look cute. I agree. That's a good one. I love. I, I love. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know. I said I love it. Get ready. We're gonna use that in GSP. Get ready. Yeah. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Stay woke. <laughs> Get ready. Stay woke. <laughs> I bought myself a dress for my birthday, and my friend was like, "Where are you going for your birthday?" I'm like, "Nowhere. I'm wearing it for myself." Like, I, I don't need to go anywhere to wear a cute dress. I will wear it all by myself in my home all day if I have to. <laughs> I can take like, my own clothes too. I'm fine with that. I literally did the same thing. I, I think it was like one day last week or a couple weeks ago. Normally, we have our like Zoom sesh. I'll be in like PJs because can't nobody see me. Yeah. I'll be like comfortable. So one day I decided I like, I got up. 
I showered. I put on clothes. I put on lip gloss. I wear lip gloss every day. I put my earrings on. And I was like, I'm ready. And I was on Zoom with Monica. I felt, well, with the whole team, I felt good. I looked good. I have clothes on today. Like, it's, yeah. it just makes me feel better, even though I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, true. And also, it's okay if that day that you get ready, you don't do your bed. You don't sweep the floor it's okay just yep. get, <laughs> just get ready <laughs> yeah okay i have one more thing emily we have some fire questions for you and they're super you know short answers or you can go into detail if you want but um we'll start okay first one snow or sand sand listener or talker oh i'm a talker but i should be a listener <laughs> that's okay I, one word to describe yourself emotional i'm there with you 100 percent. super emotional <laughs> that's me yes okay one important skill that you think everyone should have empathy good answer best thing in your life my baby hmm Baby. <laughs> Morning, afternoon, or night? Uh, I think night. Okay. But like eight-ish. <laughs> Not like midnight. <laughs> Got it. Greatest achievement? Uh, my baby. <laughs> Kids change you. They're... Yeah, my daughter is my greatest joy and achievement. Love that. If you could have any job in the world, what would it be? I would teach the CSUB 1029 freshman class full time. Love that. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Mm. My daughter, my 15 year old always uh, she's the superpower queen. So she asks these questions all the time. And um, I, you know, so part of me, it just changes every day, right? Part of me thought like the telepath, isn't that tele, where you can transport? Uh -huh, tele uh -huh. Teleport? Teleport. Mm -hmm. I kind of like that idea. I like the superpower of like hearing people's thoughts. Um, I don't know. Flying. Those, are Those are great ones. Okay. Choose a movie title for the story of your life. Uh, um, like a fictional, right? Not, I, I don't pick a movie that's already out. Up to, up to you. Okay. Up to you. Rags to riches. Ooh, I like that. Monica, that's my I hashtag. I know. That's my hashtag on my Instagram. Really? Yes. I've never watched it. Yeah. I don't know. I've never watched it either. I just feel like I really started from I the bottom, and I'm I am here. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a a movie. I've never heard of it, but I'm from South Central, the hood. Literally, I'm here now, <laughs> and like I don't know. I moved out on my own. And I'm like starting my life, so it's like I'm starting from the bottom. Yeah. And I'm from rags to rich. Oh, I like I'm, I'm oh. not rich by any means, but I feel rich 
in my Dude. soul. Yeah. Ah, love. I knew. I knew. I knew. It's a mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, sure. I knew. The first time I talked to Emily, we connected. I, her, her voice sounded like one of my students. And I, I wondered because one of my students has a twin sister. And I thought, wonder if this is her sister, but it wasn't. But yeah, oh right God. away. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Most used emoji. The heart, the double heart. The, the like, pink one, right? Yeah. The yeah. pink one? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, last one. If you could become fluent in any language, what would it be? In Spanish. I used to know it. My step-grandmother speaks Spanish. And I say if I have a couple cocktails, I'm I'm I can speak it better. I feel more I feel more relaxed. But she, my step-grandmother, really didn't speak any English growing up. And so I we I I did. I felt like I spoke a lot more Spanish, but I don't if you don't use it, you, you lose, lose it. it. Yeah. And so that's kind of been my, I wish I would practice it more. Or I wish I would. I, that is just one thing. Yeah. I absolutely wish I could speak Spanish. Yeah. Understood. I had to take it in college because we didn't, um, my parents didn't teach it to us growing up, although that was their primary language and that's a whole other conversation. But I, I took probably eight classes at Cal State and I studied and worked abroad for one summer. And that's how I learned Spanish. And you kept yeah. it. Did you teach your kids? No, they learned in school. I mean, we practice. I, I practice a little bit with them. I think they understood it more than they spoke it. Um, but they both learned it. Aaron's very fluent. Logan is semi-fluent. So, but they they took it probably eight years in school too. So, yeah. But anyway, Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. What a pleasure to have you. Such great information. You're such a great, woke, amazing, beautiful spirit. And we appreciate having you here. Do you have any Thank final you. words? Yeah, any I, final words you wanna leave us with? I would just say, honestly, I would love to continue these conversations and continue the partnership. And yeah. I've always felt really connected with Monica and thought what she's doing is amazing. And seeing you two, how professional and available. And I just would love to continue the conversations. I think we're all in the same the same place of really trying to figure this out. Um, there isn't, we don't have a guidebook. There isn't a university that's been doing it for years where a lot of time we can reference other people and say, what's the best practice in this area? I've been on multiple Zoom sessions with other universities to see what they're doing and there hasn't been anything that has stood out right. of anything different than what we're trying to do as far as Zoom and Right. providing opportunities and so I would just like to say thank you guys and let's continue this conversation whether it's email or phone or a zoom um, I would love to stay connected with you all of you because um, I also felt really good about this conversation I felt really like comfortable so I'm so glad thank you for saying that yes maybe we can have you on as a reoccurring guest that's what I was going to say, like a follow-up, seeing what she's doing in the fall. Yes, yeah. And we are, I'm having some meetings in the next couple of weeks, so maybe think about maybe beginning of July, 
We are having a meeting with a group of people to talk about programs for fall. So maybe in July, beginning of July, we can reconnect and say, these are some of the ideas we have. And if you guys have any ideas or ways that we can find, do a partnership together. I'd like that. And one thing I always say is that professors and a lot of, uh, most of the people who work at CSUB, if not everybody, they love interacting with students. So I know that if you ever see Emily, because I have hope that we're going to get back to campus soon, or Monica, or me, or Jojo, come say hi to us. Yes. <laughs> we would love to see you guys. Oh, definitely. Okay, everybody. Well, thank you again, Emily, for joining us. Emily Callahan is from, she's the director of campus programming. Please follow us on social media. We're at CSUB Guardians on Instagram. You can find us on Spotify. We are Unguarded CSUB Guardian Scholars Program. So look for us there. We're here podcasting weekly. So everybody, thank you for joining us. Our giant audience is out there on Spotify. <laughs> we appreciate you. We love you. Be safe, be well, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye.